0: Hey, Marie, how's it going?
1: It's going good. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty well. So uh, how has your week been?
1: Week two, January 2023. It's actually been amazing. We did a lot this week and I feel like we're getting a lot of momentum. We really started the year with a bang. (laughs) So I'm feeling good about stuff. When I say we, it's uh, me and one other person. So there's two people on Llama Life at the moment. We focused on SEO and blog stuff this week. We do some marketing like social media marketing, but we're really trying to step up the SEO side of things so it can Mm -hmm. work in the background for us and people can find us when they're actively searching for productivity tools to help with focus. We just want to have that side of things a bit more uh, buttoned up because I haven't really focused on that in the past. Like we've done a couple of blog pieces that we wrote, like maybe 10, 15 pieces, but we haven't really thought about it from an SEO perspective. Like, are we hitting keywords in those pieces? What are the keywords that we need to hit? And from a developer point of view, like programmatically, have we optimized for SEO? And that's kind of a whole different side. You've got kind of the content side of SEO, but then you've got the, the developer side. And are we are we making sure we're kind of hitting all the best practices for that That was kind of this week, and it's going to bleed into next week as well. Mm -hmm. One of the big things we did this week on the SEO front is we're in the process of creating a page of templates. So these are templates on how you can use Llama Life. It serves a lot of different purposes. So one is obviously the SEO purpose, and the other is that it gives people ideas and inspiration on how they can use the product because it's opinionated in terms of a method, but it's also very flexible in that someone wrote me the other day saying, I can think of 900 ways to use your product. And I'm like, (laughs) great. Um, We want to kind of inspire people as well. So this template page just shows these different ways to use it. And of course, when you talk about different ways, you're also hitting SEO keywords. Mm -hmm. So if someone's searching for a way to do something, you might come up. So we're just trying to make sure we cover that and also make it inspirational for people. And that was great. So- I did all the dev and the person I work with, she was writing all the content and it just felt like a really nice, to me, I was like excited because it felt like teamwork and we're just like, you do that, I do this. And, you know, we made a ton of progress and I always feel good when there's momentum and progress.
0: So doing the SEO stuff, are there any like specific tools that you're relying on or are you just kind of like going through it? And like I saw the tweet where you kind of showed off the, the templating stuff and I think that is awesome. It's so... It's so nice to be able to look at something like that and just sort of be able to see yourself there of like, oh, I have this scenario and there is like, I can see it in action, like how I'd actually use it. Because sometimes you jump in and you're like, okay, I think this tool can help me, but I don't know exactly what to do yet. So being able to see that, I think is great. Mm -hmm. What did I start with? Yeah, tools. So were there any like kind of tools you were relying on for figuring out kind of that SEO stuff?
1: Part of the challenge is there's a lot of different tools out there and- (laughs) And you have to also take into account where your business is and the size of your business because a lot of these tools are really geared toward corporate and somewhat, you know, companies that have an SEO team, right? This exists in my previous corporate gig. We had people focusing on marketing analytics and we had an SEO specialist. There were a couple of SEO specialists and obviously being a smaller company, we don't have an SEO specialist. We're kind of just learning on the go. But you want to make sure that you pick a tool that is kind of right for your level. Because we looked at a number of different ones and some of them were quite overwhelming. Half the stuff we looked at, we're like, I don't even know what that is. There's so many different options. It's almost like, you know, if you're a developer, you'd be familiar with AWS. Sometimes you go into AWS and you're like, there are so many different tools and ways you can do things. Where do I even start? And that's kind of how I felt about the SEO Tools. So we ended up trialing this tool called Catlinks, which is made by an an indie dev. And that felt right for our size because when we looked at the landing page and, you know, the, the actual tool when we logged in and created an account, like, we're like, yeah, we kind of are familiar with what they're talking about. Like, let's generate a list of keywords first. And mm-hmm. we've got sort of these long tail ones, short tail ones. And it just felt like the level that we were at. Mm-hmm. And it didn't feel too overwhelming. We could always move off that if we felt we needed more. But at this stage, like, that's all we needed. and. I think that's kind of important to pick a tool that suits you now. You can always move off it.
0: Do you know what the pricing was for that?
1: Uh, yes. And that's the other thing. It fit within our budget. So it's, uh, let's see, it's Catlink. So it's K-A-T-L-I-N-K-S dot I believe the pricing is, uh, I'm going to get this wrong. It's it's between 20 and 30 bucks a month.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah,
1: And some of the other ones, just for context, were like 200 bucks a month.
0: Yeah, I was, was going to say, I know there is a really popular one I hear people reference a lot that I haven't used, but I've wanted to look into uh, hrefs.
1: Yes, I hear it referenced as well. I know it's very comprehensive, but it felt like overkill for us.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but the other
1: thing you can do with hrefs is they have a lot of content, like instructional things, and it's a really good reference. So if you don't know what like a keyword is, or you're trying to kind of mm-hmm. get a glossary of terms and understand what people are talking about, then that site is is super great.
0: That's because they're doing really good at their own SEO their marketing. Own. <laughs> so
1: meta. That's yeah. exactly right. They are doing their own <laughs> SEO and hoping that one day you will convert when you're ready.
0: Yeah. I think that's awesome. So yeah, we'll put a link to that too, because I've I've heard really good things about it. Like you said, it's super comprehensive and so the price matches that. Yep. Um, but if you're in that Realm, Like it's probably worth it. Mm -hmm. And like you said, there's just a lot of like free content available there. That's something we haven't yet really done anything with that for polar habits. But it's something we'll I'm sure at some point this year, that'll become kind of a priority to Mm -hmm. look more into that and try to I think, I think we just saw recently that we're ranked. uh, I'm gonna get that I think it's like guilt free habit tracker or something like that, because we've used that phrasing a lot. And I think we're ranked really high for One of those phrases like that, but we don't have any sort of content marketing or stuff like that. But that's something we will probably look into later this year. Maybe we'll start with cat links. And uh, if all goes well, we can graduate to uh, something like hrefs or whatever.
1: I think that makes sense. And it it does take a lot of time though. I think the content side, like if I had to write the content as well, that would take forever. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it was really helpful to have the other person on my team kind of, she's focusing just on that and we divide up the work accordingly. But you could also use like a chat GPT to help give you a, like a start. Like I wouldn't just take the result and paste it in. Right. Yeah. it could give you a skeleton and then you add Mm -hmm. your own tone on top
0: of it. We've been using a little bit of that, just kind of experimenting for Polar Habits for like our emails. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of time it's just like, I know kind of what I want the email to say, but how do you even write that? And then you kind of prompt it and give it a few, like you can kind of massage the result it gives you or like, yeah, say that again, but a little bit more casual yeah. or a little bit less like this and kind of like, and then you get to like result where you're, yeah, that's kind of what I want to write. And then you can write it, but then you kind of have that like guiding template of like, you know, you're kind of seeing all these versions that chat GPT is generating for you and like, no, that's not right. Mm, That's not it either. And sort of, yeah, giving it feedback until you you get somewhere where you're like, that's what I wanted, but I didn't necessarily know that's what I wanted until I kind of saw all these options that were generated. Then it kind of helped me hone in on, yeah, that's how we want even just like transactional email or like introducing a feature in an email just sort of like helps to generate something to build off of, uh, which has been really great. It's it's such a valuable tool. It's going to be crazy to see how the world changes just in like the next year or so as that gets integrated more.
1: A writer's block. I think it's great, like just getting uh, ideas and getting started. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, though, because so I was really impressed with it for the SEO stuff, but I have a healthy dose of skepticism, I guess, because it's really confident when it answers the questions (laughs) Uh to a fault. I'm like, oh yeah, that must be the answer. And then I'm thinking about it going, oh, is that really the answer? And then I posted it on Twitter and some people were saying, "Mm, is that really the answer? And how does it know that? So then I wrote back to it and I said, how do you know this? Can you share the source for this information? Mm -hmm. And it didn't share the source, but it then said, oh, I'm sorry for the confusion. There is another way you can do this as well. And then it gave me another answer. Mm -hmm. But the thing that impressed me was I was asking it about some coding stuff on a way to set up the, the structure, the architecture of something I was doing. But then I asked it a couple of times, okay, is there another way to do this? Is there another way to do this? And it gave me three answers. And I was like, mm. great. And then I said, mm-hmm. which of these three methods is best for SEO? And I was kind of blown away because it was combining two different topics. It was telling me how to solve a coding problem.
0: Yeah. But then
1: I asked it, which of the methods that you gave me is better for SEO? And then it picked one. And that's the moment I was blown away, but also like, is this right? Mm -hmm. How do you know that? And it didn't really answer how it knew it, but it gave another option saying, well, maybe you should look at Next.js. It was like, maybe you should look at Next.js. I'm like, oh, okay. So your answer wasn't, your answer was still a bit siloed. It wasn't taking into account like a bigger picture thing either. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, maybe I didn't give it enough information. I didn't tell it that I wasn't using Next.js. I don't know. I was like, oh. It cast a slight bit of doubt, but I was still impressed.
0: Someone mentioned this, it might've been you, I can't remember, but someone told me right now, chat GPT, it's kind of like a really confident cousin
1: who even if they
0: don't know the answer, they're gonna act like they do and just sort of like tell you something. And that's kind of the case because as long as you don't give it like a prompt that, you know, like what's gonna happen in 2025, then it'll say like, I don't have that information for 2025. If you ask something else that's more generic and it doesn't have the information, it's going to guess but it's going to tell you it as if it's real information. So i think that's one of the biggest drawbacks like for you know me i've been like testing it out like asking it content having to do with adhd and it'll tell me stuff that it's like okay well that was that's been debunked by studies like that's yeah. not actually true anymore or like maybe it was something people used to think the evolution that's going to matter a lot is fact checking itself because right now that's not really there Mm. but i think when you know the constraint it's still a really useful tool oh for sure Um, and you can kind of use it in just so many ways like you said like almost as like a muse or like yeah when you have like the blank state when you have like an empty page you're like the hardest word to write is the first one like it's so hard when you just have the blank page and you don't know how to get started and so it's so good at just sort of prompting even just like giving you ideas of like hey, ChatGPT, like, I want to write about this topic. What are four ways that I could approach it? Or like, what are some, just like asking for ideas for things to help you do the actual writing Mm -hmm. or, you know, you're mentioning programming. It's so, I've found it really helpful for TypeScript because Mm -hmm. I use TypeScript at work and I hate it because you'll get into issues where you're like, I don't know how to do the type for this. And it's done a really good job of sort of prompting me of different TypeScript functions that I didn't even know existed, where I can just like throw in like a chunk of code and say, hey, what should the type definition look like for this function? Mm -hmm. And it'll spit something out that's like nine times out of 10, pretty close to what it needs to be, which has been great.
1: It would be an interesting space to, to watch. Yeah. That was my week. How was your week?
0: I've mostly been focused on, I've been moving my newsletter over, technically moving it back to Substack. So when I started my newsletter almost two years ago, I started on Substack because it was free and I used it for a couple of months and I actually don't remember why I left Substack. I think I was like frustrated with the lack of control because there's a lot of things that it's like Substack does things in a certain way. And if Mm -hmm. you want to change that, then it's a little bit more difficult. And at the time, I think I was wanting to change things in a different way. So I actually, I moved to MailChimp at the time, which was awful. It like killed my delivery uh, rate, really really bad. So I was like on MailChimp for like one week. And then I moved to ConvertKit, which went really well. Like my deliverability kind of jumped back up. And I've been for the past year or so, I've been getting like a 50% open rate, a little bit above that, which is really good. And then the problem, I mean, quote unquote, the, the problem is that my list has been growing a lot, which is not a problem, obviously, that's great. But with ConvertKit, it's gotten really expensive. Like I'm paying like something close to like four hundred dollars a month just to like maintain having the list. Um, Meanwhile, Substack is free for you know they have they take a cut of your paid subscribers if you do that, but otherwise it's free. Mm -hmm. And so that becomes really appealing when I'm paying out a not insignificant chunk of money every month. And I'd just been seeing a lot of the kind of like social features that Substack was doing, how it's kind of like the recommendation network. So when you sign up for a newsletter in Substack, it'll also kind of recommend a few. And I've heard a lot of people have a lot of success through that in growing their newsletter. And so that was kind of appealing. And then there is also they added like a chat feature. So if you're like in the app, If you use the Substack app, there's like a chat. So basically the newsletter author will like start a thread and then people can like reply to that thread. And so that's kind of appealing as I look at my audience or whatever, is more like a community. And so having more of these community type features really appeals to me a lot. Mm -hmm. So I went ahead and I've been kind of going back and forth for several months of whether or not I was going to do it. And then finally just decided like, I'm doing it. I'm moving over to Substack. You know, I expected that my open rate would probably drop because it would be coming from a new email address and all that sort of stuff. But honestly, the open rate like barely dropped at all. So it's gone really, really well. So I moved over and right now I'm, I'm just looking. So my email from that went out on Tuesday, we're recording on Friday now. So it's been, you know, three days since then. And the open rate is at 49% which is just That's like great. barely below what it was before. And it'll probably be above 50% by, you know, by the next week's newsletter. And so mm-hmm. I think I really kind of kept the same open rate, which is amazing having switched emails and everything.
1: Well, I think you also did a good job of telling people you were switching because you mentioned it on Twitter quite a few times. And- yeah, I
0: was definitely talking about it a lot to kind of like prep people like, hey, look out, this might end up in your promotions tab or spam or something. Please take it out of there to help the deliverability.
1: Yeah, that's encouraging to know that the switch didn't really make any difference to delivery and open rate. Yeah. Oh, wait, what about delivery? Because that's different. Delivery is the first thing. And then the open rate is a percentage of that delivered.
0: Yeah. So the delivery there, I mean, all of these stats are kind of like not great with email because there's some email clients that'll just like every email that gets sent to them counts as open. So the stats are unreliable. I should have said that in the first place, but the stats are unreliable. But as far as like actual delivery rate, there is no way to get that. So open rate is the first stat that you have. Right. It's just a stat that you don't have access to because you don't know where it ended up. And so you use kind of open rate to determine like, okay, well I know that at least 49% of the people got it in their inbox because they opened it. But there's other, like I think the Hey email app, I think it just blocks all of those trackers. So yes. anyone with a com email address, it'll never show open rate for them. So it'll show them as having never opened it. And I think Apple's doing something new. that They might be doing that as well. Mm. It's becoming less and less of a reliable number. But I also kind of don't care as much. Now that I know that I didn't lose anything significant, then it's like, cool. Substack is great. And now I can use it going forward, uh, which is awesome.
1: I mean, I guess we should clarify that it's also um, yours is a community focused marketing kind of newsletter because there are email services that do more transactional emails. Like, so when you make a payment for something and then you send a transactional email back that says, thanks for your purchase. Right. Those services, which are often different than the ones at Substack, you don't use Substack for a transactional email. Right. But those transactional email services do tell you about the delivery rate because that's kind of what they pride themselves on. And that's that's kind of one stat they will tell you, like our delivery rate is really high. We don't go to spam folders. And obviously if you're talking about like a payment going through, like you want that to be high. Right. Or maybe it's a sign up email or any sort of transaction you make. So it's a different service. That's not what you're talking about. You're talking about more just a community focused newsletter.
0: I wonder what that stat is based on. Because I mean, they have like spam reports, like, but that's a totally separate thing. So I'd be curious where they get the deliverability stat because yeah. I mean, and that's one thing too, like Substack, the stats are not as comprehensive as what you would get with like convert kit. It has a lot less options for people that are using like not for transactional cause convert kit. I don't think is really for trans- transactional stuff either, but th- it's definitely for like marketing. You can do a lot of like segmenting and splitting and different things with convert kit. Like it's super powerful. And I think part of the reason I originally moved away from Substack is I thought that I was going to do more of that. Mm-hmm. But the reality is I kind of didn't really. Like I did a, a a tiny little bit, but for the most part, I'm just doing my weekly newsletter. I should doubly clarify ConvertKit is great. I never had a problem with ConvertKit at all. The biggest thing was kind of like what you were saying with HRFs. It's like the price is high and it's worth it for the right fit. And for me, I think I just kind of realized that it wasn't the right fit for me. Like the price wasn't giving me what it's worth to other people and Substack feels like a really good match. I guess I should say I, through that, I ended up turning on paid subscriptions, which has been sort of an interesting experiment as well. I've always hated trying to find sponsors and things like that to put in the uh, newsletter. So I've done like affiliate links and stuff. You know, I've done affiliates with Llama Life and like affiliate links for other products that are kind of a match, but I also just like, hate the paperwork part of it. Um, it's just like a lot of work, like figuring out who's going to be the sponsor this week. Is it yeah. going to be a sponsor or an affiliate? Um, and then it's like the few times that I've found good sponsors, it's like 20 emails back and forth and it's so much work. And then I do it and it's like the money, like maybe barely covered the hosting cost, And it's just like all the stuff I hate. And so I was like, well, Hey, if I did, this like paid subscriber thing and just like enough people signed up to do that, to support the work I do. The idea of not having to do ads at all sounds so appealing to me. And so far, like who knows how it'll go from here, but so far I've had enough people sign up. There's a lot of potential there that if that kind of continues, then I could potentially not have to do ads at all, uh, which would be amazing because I love doing the newsletter and I love keeping it community focused. And I'm also kind of like for the paid subscriber thing, Mm -hmm. I'm basically not really promising anything. It's more like, hey, if you do this, you get access to the full archive of newsletters and you're supporting me. And then maybe every once in a while I'll do like an extra bonus post. But for the most part, it's just like, thank you for supporting the work that I'm doing with the newsletter and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm encouraged by this first week and we'll see uh, how it goes from here.
1: I think it's a good (laughs) experiment for sure. Getting out of managing the sponsors, it would be a massive motivation for me too. It's sort of mm-hmm. this admin overhead that, you know, it just takes attention away from other stuff that you might want to do, which is write a great newsletter or build a great
0: product. Yeah. it was one of those things where I didn't know if I could get away from it mm. because in the quote unquote influencer space, like the way people are making money is by doing sponsored things. And I hate it so much. (laughs) And so my hope is that I can sort of cheat the system a little bit and not have to do any of that sponsored sort of stuff. It's almost like a Patreon just for the newsletter. So if I can get away with kind of like doing something like that, where people feel like it's valuable to support the work I'm doing there Mm -hmm. and get away with doing like YouTube and the YouTube partner program where I don't have to like no sponsor. I just like get the share of uh, advertising. And things like Polar Habits, I'm hoping that I can, I just don't really want to do anything with sponsors ever again.
1: I think it's a good experiment though. And you've got so many different things going at the moment.
0: So many. It's just
1: a matter of seeing which kind of things stick. And if you can replace the revenue from one with the revenue with another that you prefer doing, why wouldn't you just do that? So Mm -hmm. I think you're kind of in a good place that you've got enough things, like you've got enough... What is it like irons in the fire or whatever they say that you could you could see what which ones are working
0: i forgot to say i so i was kind of you and i were dming on twitter through this experiment as i was kind of like trying to figure it out yeah and you actually reminded me that hey launch was your word for the year yeah and i think you said hashtag launch and so that's ultimately kind of why i decided to turn on paid subscribers because I just want to try stuff. Mm -hmm. And so with the paid subscriber, like maybe it won't work out long term, and that's fine. But I'll just try it. And I already saw like almost half the people that did sign up signed up for the annual plan, which is like wild. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect that at all. And so it's definitely been successful. I don't know if there will be like a long tail with it. Like I don't know if people will continue to sign up or if it was just like people are excited for like announcing it. So we'll Mm -hmm. see how that goes. But Thus far, launch has been a success for 2023. So yearly themes, giving my uh, two thumbs up to that.
1: <laughs> we're almost on time, but if we're going to talk about the yearly themes, like super quick, like my my theme uh, for this year is, is about health. So I had this little mantra, like health is wealth, and it's just an easy thing for me to remember, but I've been doing pretty good so far as well. So nice. I've been eating well, and I've been getting out of bed on time. Cause that was one of my things that I found difficult was kind of hitting that snooze button, but mm. I put my phone in the bathroom and my alarm is on my phone. So I have to get up to turn it off. And nice. there is a temptation every night to not put my phone in the bathroom because I'm like, <laughs> Oh, I'm just forcing myself to do that. But, but I have been, so I put it on the charger. The charger is in the bathroom. So I put it on the charger and I've been getting up every day, straight away when the alarm goes off and not going back to bed. And it is such a time saver. If I hit snooze for half an hour and you take that half an hour, you times it by seven days, like how much time does that save? Like
0: that adds up
1: crazy amount of time. So I keep reminding myself like how much time has this saved that I could do something else that I want to do. And honestly, I I feel better as well. Cause you know, when you snooze your alarm, like you feel good for about two minutes (laughs) when you (laughs) snooze it and you're falling back asleep and you feel great. But then, but then you're just woken up again. It's like sleep deprivation. You just keep getting woken up. So you actually don't feel good when you eventually get up. Whereas if you get up straight away, there's that shock of like, Oh, I have to get up straight away. But then,
0: but then you're good.
1: Yeah. Afterwards you feel good. Anyway, with that little ramble, probably a good time to wrap up this week and what's on for next week. You.
0: next week's going to be focusing on I think we mentioned this last week too but like a lot of the leaky bucket stuff for polar habits so there's kind of a list of things I'm going to be working through this weekend and just kind of like wrapping up a lot of those early bugs and little issues so that we can feel really strong going into a next month and then next month we're probably possibly by the end of this month but in the next month or so we're going to be launching like the actual paid pro plan and so that'll be that'll probably be fun to kind of talk about that and all the stuff that goes into deciding what numbers, what prices, what to do for trials. Should you take a credit card for a trial? How long should oh the trial gosh, be? So all So much fun stuff. So I'm sure we'll be getting into that into uh, the next weeks. What do you have going on for the next week?
1: Uh, so we're going to continue on a little bit with the um, SEO stuff. And then we're also focusing more on the analytics side, just in general, like trying to make sense of you know, what we know is happening in the business at the moment, like thinking about pricing again as well, because we haven't got pricing rights. And uh, one thing I will say with pricing, though, is, you know, we always make sure we we honor and grandfather in existing customers. So even if there is some kind of price change or tweak, we try and support the existing early adopters, because they're the ones that believed in the product in the first place. So right. we always want to look after them as much as we can. So it won't affect anyone that's that's existing. Yeah, so more SEO, more analytics stuff, and probably want to start doing a bit more with Todoist integration. Ooh, fun. So we get so many requests. We have Todoist integration at the moment. So Todoist is another uh, productivity app. And people use it a lot with Llama Life. They kind of complement each other. But we have a very basic integration. So I want to do a bit more with that. There's high demand for it. Like people ask for it all the time. So Mm -hmm. uh, that will be a nice one to focus on because it's a bit more of a feature versus, say, SEO stuff. When I do tech, the dev stuff SEO, it's still like – some of it's like behind the scenes. It's not, I don't feel like I'm creating as much. Whereas yeah, if yeah. I'm building something toward a feature, you know, you've got to balance it out. But I feel like I'm creating and I, that's my happy, my happy place. So.
0: Awesome. All right, well, sounds good. And I'll see you next week.
1: Have a good week.